This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Anticipate what I am creating. What is God creating? A new day, a new season, a new opportunity, and new ways for His love making a way for you and for I right now. You know, I believe this. There's more goodness up in front of us than has been behind of us. Could you agree with me? Honey, it ain't over except what God says is over. And he said that the past is over. And God is just getting started with the new for you and the new for me. I believe that. Believing, first of all, is a choice. It doesn't have to have intellectual evidence. That's not faith. Faith is not reason. Faith, many times, does not make any sense at all to the natural mind. Faith is of the heart, for with the heart a man believes. Are you listening? Now, because of love, uh, love, the love that was shown and proven at the cross. The Bible says, this is how God loved us. He laid His Son and in His Son Himself on the cross, proving His love for us and took away... Uh, everything that was between us so that we could be reconciled to God. God didn't do that because He had to. God did that because He wanted to. He wanted you. And even when you messed up, when Adam and Eve messed up, and we got all messed up, when you and I mess up, God still wants you because the love is is, is what started everything. And it's the love that endures. The Bible says, I love you with an everlasting love. I, my love is going to outlast your silly foolishness. My love is going to outlast your backsliding. My love is going to outlast your wrong decision and wrong choice. My love is going to outlast your rejection of me. My love will never go away. It's going to hunt you and hound you and pursue you and tell you through a turn a million different ways how much I love you, how you are so loved by this God who died on a cross and gave himself for you. Listen, he sent Jesus and Jesus' sole mission was right here. This is where he finished it forever. Because of love, there would be a cross. There had to be a cross. And it was where God would and the earlier troubles and chaos and pain. And God would create the eternal, the eternal new. It was because on the cross that love himself would willingly pay the price. Say this with me. God was willing. The Bible says of Jesus, he was willing and obedient to the point of, of death on the cross to serve you and I, to get us back to God, to redeem us. That word redeem, never forget this. It isn't like you go and redeem a a can for a nickel or buy back. It's more than that. It has, it literally has its, uh, the the roots of that word in Greek mean this. It's someone who goes to the slave market with the intent of buying a slave in order to set that slave completely free. Wow, wow. Good point, that when it says, now let the redeemed 
Say that. Say so. I was lost. Hmm? But somebody looked for me. Somebody looked, but before I was looking for him, somebody came a looking for me. Somebody had me in mind when I didn't have a mind at all. When I was out of my mind. Hallelujah. This Jesus so loved. Because love on the cross, love himself would willingly pay the price and redeem, purchase the slaves to sin and death in order to set them free. Because of the cross... The exchange was made, the innocent for the guilty. The cross is about what God did for us. Religion forces us for what we're going to do for God, but the cross is about what Jesus did for us. Paul said, I'm not going to have anything to do with anything except this Jesus crucified on this cross. Because it's not what I can do for God, it's what God has done for me. Because of what He's done for me, I want to do for Him. But I can never do enough for the one who did everything for me. Amen. The exchange was made, the innocent for the guilty. You know, we find in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, handpicked by Jesus, all to be witnesses at the cross, recorded for us the events of that fateful day, each one recalling for the record what they saw and they heard and they experienced at the cross. They tell us there were many people there that day. It's recorded in the four Gospels by these men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one, some uh, seeing more or differently than others, but through the four of them, we get a complete uh, picture. And we see uh, that that day that there uh, were many people there. There were the accusers. There were the abusers. There were the losers. The religious leaders. There were the ringleaders taunting and scoffing and and mocking. The two criminals, one on each side, one cursing and rejecting. The other began that way, but changed his mind and became repentant and accepting. We see the crowd. Some came out of curiosity. Some uh, cost them something to be there that day, to be identified with Jesus. The curious, the courageous, some even compassionate in such a time, And then there were the cowardly and the cringing that looked from a distance. The Bible records that they came to watch the show. The Roman soldiers hardened and harassing just another day at Golgotha as far as they're concerned, dealing out death sentences to the deserving. You can imagine the crowd, the cryings, the shouting, emotions running high, the confusion, the chaos. The Bible paints this picture for us. Through the streets, they were marched up up to Golgotha's hill. One man charged with keeping order and following orders is of special interest to us today. He's recorded as the captain of the Roman guard and 
He is recorded so by Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. Standing directly in front of Jesus, the Bible says, face to face with the crucified Christ. This, he made a statement. Among all the statements there, I want to focus in on this one statement this day. He said, this has to be the Son of God. And we're not told if he knew Jesus or if he even knew of Jesus before this fateful day. We must assume as a Roman that he was mostly impartial and indifferent, not one way or the other to matters of Jewish religion. They were there to do a job. But because execution by crucifixion was not instantaneous or a short event, they had time to assess. He had time to assess. You know, conscience would dictate, and we know that, that the Romans were ruling according to Roman law. People got a trial. Jesus had a trial. There was a judgment passed. They were, had to be declared guilty before innocent. So these men are simply following orders, and one would wonder about the conscience of men that have to be certainly somewhat hardened. Uh, to be dealing out this kind of sentence. And conscience would dictate that one would want to know why we are doing, why are we doing this Roman law based on some sense of righting wrong, good and bad, innocent and guilty. In his own mind, this man, the captain, would have to weigh and decide on the why would be the only means answering that question, why? These gentlemen this day. Answering that in his own mind would be the only means to justify and to satisfy and be able to sleep at night. So we're not sure of the exact chronologically or uh, chronology or the exact sequence or order of everything that is recorded in the events of that day. After all, we had four different witnesses four different men that walked in different proximity and relationship even where Jesus was concerned. Imagine this with me, if you will, that it's chaotic. There's confusion. The crowd is in high emotion and high drama. We don't know the exact sequential order of all the pieces of everything that are even recorded by all the accounts of the gospel. Writers, but we accept that we do have all the pieces that God wanted us to know. John himself wrote that eyewitness to these things has presented an accurate report. He saw it himself and is telling the truth so that you also will believe. These are the recorded words of John. The witness of these men, including the Roman captain, made the book. So I believe it's worth a, a, a careful look that God's true witness all heard and saw and experienced that day and gave their witness report accurate, as accurate for us today. And from the men who knew Jesus, who believed, they believed before He was crucified on that day, before that day that He was God's Son. You remember they stood around a campfire and He said, Who do men say that I am? And Peter declared, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus very 
lightning fast in his response, he goes, people didn't tell you that. You could never have known that except God himself showed it to you. I purport that how could a man who had, let me put it this way, the men that knew him couldn't put him on the cross, couldn't crucify him. So perhaps we can ascertain and we can understand then how the man who didn't know Jesus, who had not believed before, came to the place and concluded this has to be the Son of God. Because with him as well as them, only the Father could have revealed that to him. And we would say that that would be the moment that he believed. When The Bible says in one account, when he saw all that was happening and everything that had happened, here he is in a moment with God and a, unbeknownst to him, a massive movement of God. And there's a, there are many phrases, there, there are many things that were recorded about what Jesus said, about what Jesus did, about what others said, and what others did. But I want to focus in on this one man. And the Bible says he was standing in front of Jesus, face to face, directly in front of Jesus. Now, there... Uh, crucifixion is not a, a, a quick thing. Okay? He's in charge. He's responsible. He's carrying out an, an, an order. And he's standing directly in front of Jesus. And I believe that as the, you know, uh, as the man in charge, because all this chaos behind of him, all right, and get everything and everyone settled down. And he's standing there, as the captain of the guard, on God. But it says he is directly in front of Jesus, facing Jesus. And then all of these different uh, events begin to take place. I, I would have to imagine in being there that day that you begin to wonder, now, I, now this guy on the left, we know what he did. He was guilty of this. I have the paperwork. This guy over here, uh, uh, this thieving, robbing rascal. We have his paperwork. But the only thing we got on this guy on the middle, they nailed up a sign that said, King of the Jews. And we got all this hollering and shouting, if you are the Son of God, well, you know, now listen now, that raises a serious question. If you're the one that hung him on the cross, you'd have to think, well, if he is the Son of God, we might want to rethink this, but it's done now. The king of the Jews, I can understand that. There we have no king but Caesar, so that would be sedition and treason. And he deserves it. But then on the other side, here you have these other, uh, these other folks just weeping and wailing and crying and saying, did you, did you know him? John, did you know him? Who's this? Well, it's his mother. This is Mary of Magdalene, of whom he cast out seven devils. I don't believe in no devil, girl. I mean, you know, the mama and all that kind of stuff. But you have two 
factions telling these stories. And you have a man in the middle. Sometimes we're, and we all will at some point in time be the man or the woman in the middle. Face to face with this Jesus on the cross. Face to face in chaos maybe, in confusion, and the crowd yelling one thing about him, and the other side yelling the other thing. And here we are in the middle, and, you know, conscience would just dictate we should know why. Why is this guy on the cross to begin with? Why am I having to be here as a part of this? Many things that Jesus said, uh, on that, he said, I thirst, and they brought him. They had a special mixture to kind of ease the pain. He refused that. There were, uh, he spoke to John, and he said, Behold your mother, and to Mary, behold your son. But there's one statement that he made, and I have to believe this while he was standing there. I don't know the chronological order of it, but I have to believe that it was near and fit in somewhere just before uh, he said it was finished. Remember, he also cried out, said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they mocked him and jeered him in that. But I have to believe while he's standing there face to face, while he's looking up, love himself is looking down. Directly to the one responsible who had the final say so. And Jesus saved the very best. We know this about, because he told us this about the Father. He said, the Father saves the very best for last. You know, over the course of Jesus' life on this earth, I know he prayed many prayers. Said many words, did many things. But the final prayer of Jesus, before the declaration of praise, it is finished. was this. Looking down directly into the one that was looking at at him. Love said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I believe at that very moment, yes, life poured out. Yes, all of these things. But I'm going to tell you what, what was that like? Every drop of blood spattering and pooling up on the ground. I'm sure that if he was close enough that it began to run down, he had to either sidestep that, but the blood all around. Jesus disfigured and marred, the Bible says, beaten, his body broken. Beyond recognition. As a human being. But there was no mistaking what all that stood for. 
And I'm going to tell you what now. In the presence of love himself. In the culmination, if you will, of why he said, I came in the first place. That when he said, Father, forgive them, the, 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 the Greek word literally means send it. Send it forth. I believe that prayer was immediately answered. And the first one it hit was the guy standing right in front of him. <coughs> you're forgiven. Because you're loved. And love, listen, love was coming out a, a, before that a, a word at a time, a, a touch at a time, a, an action at a time, a day at a time. But in that moment, uh, there was, and, and on that cross, it was everything that he did. And then it boiled down to the life of God, the drops of blood at a time. But in that moment, I believe there was a release so powerful, so overwhelmingly powerful the Bible concludes it says at the same time it says there was this earth shake there was a the, the, the sun was blotted out and, the, and the, the veil in the temple was ripped from the top to the bottom they're, they're in this And there was this... Now, think about what was released. Yes, judgment of sin and death. But love took that on Himself. When that came into Him, the love and forgiveness of God was released out of Him. And hit that guy. And all of a sudden, here He is standing face to face with the crucified. He put Him there. He ordered the nails. He stood him up and slammed him down in the hole. He watched him heave himself up and take a breath and fall back down. He watched every drop of blood. He saw all that. He heard all of that. And he waited all out. But in that very moment, I mean when Jesus said, Father, forgive them. And then he declared it's finished. Listen, I'm going to tell you what. Overwhelming, over overpowering, inundated with the love and the forgiveness of God. Just like when you and I finally come face to face and stand at the foot of this cross, the emblem, where He actually did die. And these things actually happened. Why? All because of love. Love was released in such a way that He said, I will change everything. And everyone that will stand face to face they will look me love in the eye and ask me why. He stood there. I'm sure stunned at the reality. Because see the thing about the presence of God is that it isn't just what you think anymore about God. It's what you know. Who God really is. And in that moment that we, we, we you know... If we're not careful, we miss it in that moment who God read. God is love. Love, love. To such a degree that He can look His killer in the eye and say, Forgive them. They don't know what to do. 
and send that forgiveness now. And let love be the letter. Let love be the carrier. And dump it all over top of him. And here's this guy. You know, I believe he was an unbeliever, but all of a sudden now, surely this was the Son of God. What they were saying is true. This was the Son of God. I never before this moment believed there was a God or that He had a Son. Why are we killing this man? Another translation said this was a good man. This was an innocent man. I believe that was John's account. I believe the centurion sitting there said this was a good man. This was an innocent man. What in the world have I been a part of? And guilt and shame and horror would overwhelm you if you had any kind of a conscience at all. But in the next breath, love and forgiveness is poured out. He's the first recipient. Oh, glory to God. Amen. It's such a a type in that, and the the Gentiles, the unbelieving world, gets in on this before those who believed in the first place. Amen. Hallelujah. And the next breath, he says, surely this was, had to be, the Son of God. Only God could do that. Only God could love like that. Only God could forgive like that. And the reality hit his heart. Jesus, I love you. I forgive you. You don't really know what you're doing. But when you know, when you know, you're going to have to decide who I really am. Because Jesus asks each one of us, who do you say that I am? There's a world out there, you know, that's a witness to somewhat one side or the other, one part of the crowd or another, of all these things. But of all people, the church, you and I, those of us that have experienced that love firsthand and have known the forgiveness of God, ought to give a true and an accurate report so that you also would believe. Because there's a lot of folks, I'm telling you, that Jesus is going to bring to the cross. There's a lot of runaways Jesus is going to bring back to the cross. There's a lot of folks that have not quite decided who Jesus actually is. But it's here that He is revealed. And we can't show it unless we know it. Hallelujah. Sins forgiven. Giving up the, the claim for punishment or penalty. Released. It's no longer there. 
God's whole idea of Jesus on the cross was not to mete out punishment and penalty for those that rejected him or even like the centurion did wrong I wouldn't want to bend him on this side of the revelation but I'm glad I'm just exactly like him that I had to realize mm -hmm. it's because of love because of my sins and my trespasses that Jesus died because God wanted to love me up close he wanted me reconciled to him amen Pastor Ron's going to come right quickly this overwhelming overpowering love of God was let loose love was let loose that day and poured out completely the it is finished, I believe, was tied to the statement of all is forgiven. Forgive them. You know, them was him. And them was me. And them was you. Them was each and every one of us. What a wonderful freedom there is from fear, from failure, from everything wrong there is when we find out how much God loves us. And the realization of that starts at the cross. People may do all kinds of things to help bring us to the cross, but it's still a personal thing between us and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we may try to be good to you. We can never be Jesus to you. Only God can forgive sin. Only God can set us truly free. Only God can truly and magnificently love like that. Amen. Aren't you glad he did? Aren't you glad he does? I want to ask you while we're here today, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to ask you honestly to look in your own heart and your relationship with God. Is it where you want it to be? Have you come? to the cross of Jesus and realize that all is forgiven. God wants to be close to you and He wants you close to Him. He wants to give you life. He wants to set you free from the law of sin, the law of death, from the bondage of all of these things. I believe the centurion in that moment, he believed. I'm going to ask you, do you believe that Jesus is God's son and that he came to show us God's love? And that Have you accepted and received his forgiveness for your life? If you haven't, I want to ask you to pray a simple prayer with me right now. 
And you just have to mean it from your heart. Dear Jesus, I see that you are, and I believe that you are, the Son of God. And I believe that you loved me. That you do love me now. That's why you gave yourself for me. Died on a cross. Buried in the grave. Paid the penalty and the punishment of my sin for my forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus. I receive this new life. This love this forgiveness and I thank you for it now make me new amen you know the Bible teaches us that with the heart a man believes it says if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead first he had him crucified and then he raised him from the dead and if we believe in our heart these things the Bible says for with the heart a man believes unto or a woman believes unto righteousness but with the mouth that confession is made unto salvation we pray a simple prayer and God hears and God answers and God gives us the greatest gift that we could ever receive which is God's love expressed through forgiveness amen if nothing else the first benefit that's listed for us as Christians says forget not all his benefits but he forgives all Everybody say all. all. All our sins. Forgives all our sins. Amen. That means anything we've ever done, anything we are doing, or anything that we will ever do, nothing is outside of, of the remedy of the love of God. Amen. Praise God. Now, I'm going to tell you how that helps you as a believer. And if you ask Jesus in your heart, there are going to be people that are up here that will pray with you. Maybe you had to reaffirm your relationship. There's a purpose for God bringing us, us back to the cross. We never need to be too far uh, from there in the reality of the love of God for our life. But let me uh, move just a little bit beyond that. There will be people up here that will pray with you and will help you. And... Uh, but also, uh, many, many times for the Christian who has believed, sometimes the devil just gets in between us uh, and God with lies or deceptions and worries and cares and things that happen, circumstances and uh, situations arise that make us question maybe we've been separated from the love of God. Maybe... God's not so much for us anymore as it was when I felt him when he was close. Or just seems like on Tuesday I don't feel God like I felt him on Sunday. Amen. Or there are different times and seasons in our life when, when uh, we're tested, our faith is tested. Amen. I want to encourage you. Uh, be like Paul. Don't, don't know anything except Jesus and him crucified during that time. For God, the, as the song says, he is for us. He did all of this for us. Amen. Now please, I, I, I want you not take lightly. If you, uh, if you, whatever decision you've made in your heart uh, where God is concerned, it's a powerful thing. It's a life-changing thing. When I asked Jesus into my heart so many years uh, ago, 
Uh, you know, there wasn't fireworks and all that kind of stuff. I was just a simple man, and I had made a decision, God, if you're real, I believe you are the Son of God. And if you are, then there's a God that I'm accountable to. And I thank God that the preacher kept preaching how much God loved me. I qualified as the world. Uh, the cross was the answer for me. Coming to Jesus was the answer for me. And you know, quietly, God just slipped into my heart. And quietly, God changed me on the inside. And then the rest of my life has been the outworking of what happened that very day, that moment, which was private and personal in front of God. Amen. But because that had happened on the inside and private and personal, there was a reality of that. I wasn't ashamed of him publicly because of what had happened to me. But it took some time as that stuff worked out. Amen. I believe that there, I said that simply to encourage you uh, today. There's no religious box that you have to be in here that says you've got to do that. I've seen people walk the aisle, cry buckets of tears, walk out and never see them again. Next time you hear about them, they're seven times worse than they were when they came in. All right, all that stuff doesn't save us. A choice and a decision from now on, I'm with you, God, and you're with me. Amen. That's what makes the difference. And I'm going to tell you what, if you're ready for a change, this is where the change comes from. What you've heard today, that centurion was changed because he believed I, that Jesus, God the Father, showed him this was my son. And he's taking care of business of what everything, including what you've done this day, boy. Amen. I thank God for the witness of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I thank God that there was a man that day there that represented people like me. That were not a believer before, but now I'm a believer. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.